guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, season 11, episode 13. I'm Jack. I'm Steve. And what a start for Antonio Conte in the Premier League, eh? Three points. Um, we're going to dive into the game. Um in a lot of detail on, on this week's show. We're also going to do our all-time Spurs 11 non-UK-based players. Um, and I was chatting to my dad about this, who I was with at the game on uh, on Sunday. Um, and I said to him, Asti, about your statement of Son is the best player to ever play for Spurs outside of the UK. And his initial reaction was, what? What are you talking about? And actually, we spoke about it for 10 minutes, and it was like, he's... Not quite in agreement, but almost there. So we'll talk about that later as well. Um, firstly, it's a shame not to have Chris with us, isn't it? I miss her already. It's like, you know, she's so great. But she's on holiday this week, so you're unfortunately stuck with just us two. Um, let's talk about the Leeds game. Um, massive three points. Absolutely massive. Um, the first thing I want to say is the Leeds fans were unbelievable. They honestly, they were so loud, marching on together. Like it was, it was like proper. It felt like proper old school Premier League game being there. Just like two sets of supporters. Like they were very like pro leads with their chanting as well, which like I, I always prefer that. Um, it's a really, really good game of football. Um, to be honest, like watching it, just sort of like, especially Leeds. Like they were proper brave the way they play. I've, I've not watched them live before. Um, especially like this, like this Leeds team. I mean, I've not seen them play live, and they do go for it. There's no messing about. Like they, they like their centre backs are on the halfway line, and they're like they just go man for man, basically playing murder ball all over the park. It's um, it's incredible to watch. Like it, it, it looked the first ten minutes. I was on my Saturday thinking like, what am I watching? Like, it's like a Sunday league game where it's like everyone's just steaming forward. But um, fair play to them for for coming and having a go. Um, I quite like Bielsa. To be honest, like it's entertaining it's, football. Well, it's the it's great and like it's amazing and it will it, burn players out and all of that. Like and it it's very entertaining. The problem is, is if you match it or if you work it out, that it's it's quite easy to play around. And like you saw it for for the foul, it was the perfect. It was the for the foul for the the second goal. You saw it because it was just one touch around the corner. Our two quickest players just ran at them and suddenly they they do not know what to do. And the problem is, it's so Plan A only. It reminds me of AVB in the, in the total opposite ends of the one yeah. plan spectrum. Like AVB was very boring, and they are very entertaining. But you got to forget they were already promoted what two seasons ago. Amazing for a promoted yeah. team, and they can beat anyone, and they can lose to anyone on their get on their day. It's it's a proper football club. Like I would much rather them in the Premier League than Stoke. Yeah. Well, but that's what yeah. I think that's what I admire because normally like if you play a newly promoted side or a team in their second season of being in the Prem they will get 11 men behind the ball they will be as solid and compact as possible they'll play off the set pieces they won't give you they, they won't play out from the back they'll just sort of yeah, play yeah. percentages and you, again you can't have a go at teams for doing that because you look at the Burnley model they've had amazing success playing like that and it's like you can't fault it um but it was just, it was quite refreshing to see a team go, you know what, we fancy ourselves here. Even though you've got better players, we think we can beat you. Like, I don't know, it's just, uh, I, I just I rated it. Um, first half was tough to watch. Really, really tough. Um, I, I was a little bit, so I met with a couple of mates before the game. And we obviously were standing there and we looked at the team and we were a bit like, Tanganga Dyer Davis as a back three. We were like, it ain't great. And, one of them quite rightly said, he was like, well, if it's not Tanganga, it's going to be Sanchez. He was like, it is what it is, really. Sort of like you, the manager can't really do much else and pick the only players that he's got. Um, so I was a little bit like, I, mean, I, I never found this kick clean sheets anyway. Um, so I was a little bit nervous about sort of how we looked and like Winks and Hoiberg in the middle. Didn't didn't give me a great amount of confidence going into the game. But you still think Kane, Son and Moore up top should be able to cause most sides problems. But the first half, we just could not get out like whatsoever. Nothing stuck with the front three players. I thought all of them, especially Kane and Son in the first half, they really struggled to make anything stick. And you just sort of like standing there with my dad being like, you just want Kane to just 
like get back to goal, basically stick your bum out to stop the defender getting in, just hold it, win us a free kick, like get us up the pitch. But every time we sort of played played into feet, it just kept bouncing back. Mora was the biggest culprit out in the first half. It's just sort of like he'd get it, he'd get a turn on, beat a man, you think, here we go, and then he'd lose it. And you're just like, oh, just like no when to lay it off, you know. And, um, but I thought, um, I thought our biggest problem in the first half was was centre midfield. Winks and Hoybjerg were dominated for that first 45 minutes. They they couldn't press, they couldn't sit off. Like we, they were just off of it in the first half. And really, there was only one player that I thought played well for the whole duration of the game, but especially in that first half. And that was Dyer. Dyer had one of his best games he's had for quite a while. Um, he was really, really solid at the back. Like first and foremost, he won his headers, he won his 50-50s. Like he was sensible with the decisions he was making. His distribution out from the back was magnificent, absolutely magnificent. Um, he nearly got a couple of assists in the game, like from open play, which is mad. He sort of went into feet, he went long. He, there were a few times as well where there wasn't much on for him, and he stepped into midfield with the ball. He had a yeah. really, really good game, and he was absolutely running that back five. Like from being in the ground, he was telling Davis and Tanganga where they needed to be at every moment. He was, you know, especially in the second half, screaming at Hoiberg and Winks to get to push up, get on the press. Like he had a really, really good game, Dyer. Um, and he's one that I'm I'm a fan of Dyer to a certain extent, right? That I think he's a good I think he's a good player. Yeah. I don't think he's an absolute superstar. I think he's a good player. Um, but the problem that I always have with him is that he'll play brilliant for 85 minutes and then he'll give a goal away. And at some point in a game, he makes a, an error that leads to a goal. Um, he didn't do that at the weekend. He just had a really, really good game. So it was great to sort of see him back to his best. Um, for me, all the credit is Conte for those three points. And I'm sure you want to talk about this, but we say all the time, don't we? A manager's job in any industry is to get the most out of their staff. And it's sort of like he 100% did that at half time. Yeah. I mean, everyone's come out and said they he didn't shout at everybody. But if you have a look at the stats, I mean, the Sky Sports screenshots doing the rounds, first half attempts to not on target, second half 11, four on target. And we hit the woodwork three times. Our expected goals went up from 0.06 to two. And we had 18 touches in the opponent box versus five. But the most interesting one is the one we've all seen is in... The first half we outran, we still outran Leeds, but only by 500 meters. But in the second half we outran them by nearly four kilometers, and that that is a big difference. And that that's essentially the quality of the manager, and that's what we've been talking about. I'm hoping that's the rebirth. And first half was old Tottenham, Mourinho, Nuno to an extent, and now we've just got Conte. We know what Conte is about, and we can just go after people. I just hope they can start, and they they just sit there and go, oh, we can start like this, and just go for it. For Emerson Royal. He's, he's slowly getting better and slowly finding his feet. He's a really positive one. But the Lucas Mora one, for me, is is the enigma. Like you say, like someone's put some screenshots on the Reddit page. So, you know, on one hand, he created two big chances, got an assist, three key passes, and he was running at players, like which is pretty good. But then on the flip side, he lost possession 25 times, 25 times. And he had a 65% pass accuracy. And you go... Mm, that's not good enough. Like by any it's so it's hard, good. isn't it? Because it's like I quite like him as a player. Um, and one thing you can't, you one thing you can't accuse Lucas Moura of is taking the easy option. He will yeah. always try and do something spectacular. And in most games, he does create a couple of really good opportunities. But it's whether or not you're willing to sort of put up with the 25 times he gives the ball away to have those couple of opportunities where he, he does sort of create. Um, he's, an ex- he's, he's a Tottenham player for me. He does get you off your seat. He really gets the ball and he turns. And when he's driving through the middle of the pitch, you do think, here we go. But then, you know, he, he does give the ball away an awful lot. So I agree with you. I think that he could be somebody under Conte that really could. Do you know what I mean? If he sorts his decision-making out, he yeah. could go on and be a really good player. Yeah, that's been a lot of the chat is actually when you think about it, there's some players who might just get better under Conte mm. because they've got all the physical attributes, but they just need someone to give them guidance. Delhi, Winks, Cessignon. Like I I'm I don't I still don't think Endon Ballet will make it, so I'm leaving him out. Well, but, it's it's like, a lot, doesn't it, that Conte's been working with the players that weren't on international duty for the last two weeks, Winks and Ballet, and Winks have started. 
Mm. And it's like, if you look at recent performances, Winks has been nowhere near it. And Dembele's done all right in some games. The fact that he's had him training for two weeks and he's gone, no, you know what, Winks is actually, that's the option I want to go with. It's scathing, to be honest. Yeah, but um, if you're a manager of any team, forget football, if you're a manager in a workplace and you go, right, I've got one who's exceptional, but I've got no idea what he's going to do today. And you go one word, you can go, I can make him better. I, I know what he'll do. He'll deliver. He'll try his hardest. He'll do it for the team. You go, it's an easy choice. Yeah. Easy choice. Fair play to Winks because his second half, he played really well. Like, And over the balance of the whole game, you'd probably say he was about average. But to have a really bad foot, he, he had a shocking first 45. Like He was all over the place. And I think most people watching that game, if you'd have said, what sub are you making? They'd have taken Winks off. Um, so to sort of react to that and come out in the second half and play as well as he did. Um, for me, it was just like, if they just, him and Hoiberg in the second half, they just did the basics a lot better. And they worked as a pair. Because was so, if you watch the game back, there's so many times in the first half, Hoiberg would go to press, but he wouldn't be aware that Winks isn't with him. So he'd just get played around. And then Winks would go to it, he'd get played around. And it was just sort of like, they were just, they played well lead. One, two touch football in the middle part was, was was nice, but they didn't work as a pair at all in the first half. And it was, just, it was quite simple what the tactics were. Everyone got 10 yards higher up the pitch. I think it's very interesting that Contest come out and said, hasn't he, that the players aren't fit enough to play at that intensity for 90 minutes, which I find staggering. And we've, but we've been saying all season, you know, that the team don't look fit enough. Um, so it's... I don't know if it's reassuring that he's come out and said that, but clearly it's sort of like he doesn't want to play like we did in the first half, Conte. He wants the second half, but at the minute, all he can get is 45. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you hope the 45 minutes where you can't do what you want, you can hang on, and then you've got enough to go again in the second half. Yeah, but yeah. Um, he was amazing to watch, Conte. Absolutely yeah. amazing to watch on the touchline. It's only find it a bit weird that he's so passionate about a team he's been in for two weeks. Like, it's a bit weird. It, it feels... It feels a bit put on, don't you think? I just think he is a competitive winner. And I think he doesn't care. In a, and I sort of mean this in a nice way. He couldn't care what the club is, what level it is, anything like that. He just wants to win. Like I imagine he'd be the same in a Champions League final as he would having a kickabout with like yeah, his yeah. 10-year-old or whatever in the garden. He just like he has to win. Um, that's the kind of mentality you need, isn't it? And it's like, as a player, like... Mourinho and Nuno, they'd sort of just stand on the sideline, whereas Conte is literally screaming at every single player about what to do for the whole game. He doesn't have a, there's no, it's not a period of the game where he calms down. He's just switched on for the whole 90 minutes, and it was you, you just can't not feed off that. The supporters really got behind. There was a brilliant bit where he sort of geeing the supporters up as well, and it was yeah, like, yeah, oh, here yeah. we go. Um, but it was a really, really big win for us. Like. I don't want to get wait, too wait, wait, wait. I, I don't want to let that go. You know, um, you were saying about how he'd be the same in a final as he would with his kids. Mm. Like, there's a few videos of like defenders two footing their kids and stuff. Like, my favourite story. Do you remember Oliver Kahn? Like the wall, the German goalkeeper you just couldn't get past. You know what I'm going to talk about? Yeah. We, he, he did a charity uh, where nine-year-olds took penalties against him. And for every goal they scored, they give money to charity. Um, so it's a charity event. He saved them all. <laughs> my favourite, still my favourite ever video to watch. If ever I had a rubbish doubt or something, I'll always watch it because it makes me laugh so much. Is Michael Owen when he's taking well shots at that 13-year-old goalkeeper. It is so funny. And you've got Owen, like, do you know what I mean? England's national, like, sprinting up to this kid and belting in the top corner and going off and celebrating. It is one, we should send the link to that Um when we put the pod out later, but it just, it makes me laugh so much. Neville Southall, isn't Neville it? Neville Southall, yeah. It's the goalkeeper coach, who, by the way, if you don't follow Neville Southall on Twitter, follow him, because he is ridiculous. He'll be tweet, he'll tweet about football, and then he'll like, do an accidental tweet, where he doesn't really tweet anything, and then he'll go really political. It's hilarious. It is so funny. Um, that Oliver Kahn story is just so good. It's so good, isn't it? And you can imagine like, it not bothering him either. No. Just that natural born winner. Um, but he was like, it was a, it was such an important win for us. We desperately needed it. It was only lead to I think a 16th in the Premier League. But for a team that is lacking in confidence to be a goal down at half time and have played that poorly to be able to dig a win out, 
is massive for us. We needed it as well. It's like, I think we're a point behind Arsenal, four points behind West Ham. Like We needed to close that gap with this kind of game. Um, so hopefully that's a step in the right direction. Long, long way to go. Don't get me wrong. But there were some signs that you think, right, OK, here we go. I thought Kane was much better. There's still people slating him. He was our most creative player by a country mile. Like pretty much everything we did that was successful went through him. Um, but biggest um, occurrence of the game, Kane's not on free kicks anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually talking about it before the game, and like um, my mates were saying, like, why is Kane on free kicks? It's like he scored one, which was a deflection, which yeah. he didn't even mean. And then my dad was saying he was like. But Kane's never even looked like scoring a free kick. Like, how many is it? How many is he hit where you've been like, what a save, or he's hit the bar? It's like they just go out the ground normally. Um, so the fact that you know he's off free kicks now and dies on them is um, is because Dyer can hit them. Do you know what I mean? We've seen we've seen him take a few and actually look all right. Um, obviously, the one he did take straight in the wall off the post, regular taps it in, and you buzz in. But um, reminded me of Lamella. Reminded me of Lamella. That follow up and that finish. That that that. He's got a bit of Lamella about him, Regulon, isn't he? It's like similar kind of build, like not the biggest, but you can tell that he like he's quite up for a fight all the time. Yeah, yeah, a bit mental. And I thought Hoiberg's goal was actually great, great, <clears throat> great finish. And I love the celebration. It feels like that's the only way he celebrates. He's like, come on, let's get back yes. into it. He I'm hasn't a, scored a... a goal that he can enjoy yet, has he, Hoiberg? <laughs> like, he got that <laughs> banger against Liverpool, didn't he? Was that last year? Well, yeah, we yeah. got battered at home, didn't we? But like that was a brilliant goal. And then this one, he got away with it a little bit because it's like he completely mishit it, didn't it? And the keeper was already down and it trickled in the corner. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like he enjoys anything in his life apart from just running and like eating steamed broccoli and doing Rubik's he, 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 Do you know what I mean? Have you, have you seen the video, which is where they compare Pep Guardiola's managerial style to Neil Warnock? Have you seen it on YouTube? It's incredible. <laughs> and it's, like, it's Pep being like, lads, go out there like score goals, be creative, like basically have fun. It cuts to Neil Warnock and he's like, lads, by all means, enjoy it, but enjoy it by being disciplined. And it's like, that's Hoybjerg. Do you know what I mean? It's like, he'll get satisfaction out of like, he'll probably look at his running stats, he'll look at his sprints and he'll be, or he'll look at like, how many times did I force a mistake out of the opposition? It's like, it's remember David Ferrer, the tennis player, who was yeah. the wall, wasn't he? And he was just like, I don't hit winners. He was yeah. like, I'm just going to make you make mistakes. It's like, I love that. Strikes me as that kind of guy. Um, but yeah, no, like, like I said, big, big three points. Really needed it. We've got a really nice run of games coming up in the Premier League now where it's like you'd expect the, the next like four or five games us to really sort of put some points on the board. I know we go to Burnley um, next week. And like Burnley, I think like Burnley has this bit of a myth that Burnley's a really tough place to go. But actually, like most of the top teams win there. And it's like, we've got a pretty good record at Burnley. I don't think it is as hostile as what maybe most people think. Um, it's quite a nice fixture for us to have, to be honest. Um, yeah. So we go there next week. And, and again, like we just need to put a, a sequence of wins together and get up the league. Because until we play Liverpool, which I think is the week before Christmas, we've got Leicester before that. But there's not that many games that you look at and you think, oh, like what yeah, horrendous yeah. fixture. So we need to basically put a run together well, now. Brentford's... It's the game after Burnley. I think that will be more difficult than we think it will be just because of the way they play. I think we can beat them. I think we've just got to be careful of that game, you know? Yeah. But yeah. basically, like, I've got a few mates that are Arsenal fans and they've been all been getting so excited. So it was great to see them get hammered by Liverpool. But basically, we need to do what they've done, which is just beat the trash. Do you know what I mean? Like, the last five, six games, they've, they've played, like, Norwich... Uh, Palace, you know I mean? and they've just won those games. They've not been convincing. Yeah. They've just got the wins, and we just basically need to need to follow that um, pattern and just keep going now. Um, but it was great, and you know what it was for me being there on Sunday was that it, there was a real sense of like togetherness, and like not in the first half, but the yeah. second half, like everyone was proper up for it, and it did, did feel like we were the twelfth man in that south stand. It was just sort of like we are scoring in this half. We're going to go on and win the game. Um, it was a really, really good atmosphere, like a proper Premier League game. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, I mean, yeah, it's two decent-sized teams just going at it. Yeah, all good. Um, we were going to talk then about our non-UK Spurs yes. teams, um, which, like I said at the start, all stemmed from me, me chatting to my dad about what you said about Sun. 
being our best ever non-UK player. So his initial reaction was, what are you talking about? Like, we've had some amazing players. I was like, I'm not saying we haven't. But I was like, but well, it is good to son. So naturally, he was like, our Diles, Ricky Villa. Yeah, he was like, those two. And I was They're like, the yeah, two. Like, They're I'll, the I'll, two, aren't they? I said to him, I was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, they were involved in a team that, you know, won trophies and were brilliant. But I was like, just think about it for a second. Like, were they able to get into any team in the world at that point? Because you'd argue that Sun, maybe not on the last couple of games, but like the last year, Absolutely. can get in any team. Um, and, in, and that was sort of the bit that made him be like, oh, um, maybe maybe they could, maybe they could, maybe. But it was more of a debate. Whereas I think the Sun thing is like, who would not have him in their starting eleven? Like I can't think of any side. Um, but anyway, we're going to go through what our teams are. Um, do you want to kick us off, ASD, with um, with who you've got? Well, I've got three teams. And the reason I've got three teams is, uh, well, I've got one, the, I, I fit the brief, with players that I've seen live. and Well, I kept the players I've seen live, and I've done a not actually that bad team, like players that actually weren't that bad. And then I've got my worst team of foreigners that I've Love seen it. live. Love it. So well, let's do the best one. So the first one, obviously, Hugo Lloris. Like, it cannot be anyone else. No, I agree. And, I, you know, when I was looking at this earlier, I was trying to figure out, like, what type of players are you probably going to pick? And then who can I chuck in there as, like, a discussion? But, like, the goalkeeper one, like, there is, there's no one. There's, like, there's, like, there's no one that's on the same level in terms of ability, longevity, all of it. Like, Loris, hands down. There's an argument that Loris is our greatest ever goalkeeper. Like there really yeah. is. Um, so yeah, no, no questions in, at all with that one. Dimod Jennings, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know the two centre backs. I think we've all got the two centre backs, the same two centre backs, in Supian and Toby Alderweireld, who were the best centre backs in the league for a couple of years. Like really, and especially that last season at White Hart Lane, you could get nothing past them. Supian was good on a ball, like a bit crazy at times, but Toby was rock solid and had the best long ball in the league as well. Like you, could, you they they were unbelievable. And it feels weird to think that that was so long ago, but they were the best central defenders I've ever seen. Like better than Ledley and Dort, better than Ledley and Cabral, but they were better than Ledley. But you would take you would take either of them over Ledley, really, if you're being serious, because Ledley, as we love him, but he was injured his whole career. The thing is with Toby and Jan as well, it was that partnership. Like, yeah. and that, that centre-back partnership will do well, even in our lifetime watching Spurs, to actually come across a better partnership than those two. Because they just complemented each other so well. They were very similar centre-halves. and They were just both really, really top players. I was always surprised, more so with, with Vertonghen, Although I think Toby was a better player, I was more surprised with Vertonghen that none of the real elite sides ever came for him, purely because he was probably a slightly better ball player than Alderweireld, and he was left-footed. And it's like, you don't yeah. get that many top left-footed centre-halves. It's like, I always thought someone like Barca, he would have suited down to the ground. Do you know what I mean? A real ball player. He always looked a little bit uncomfortable, Vertonghen, up against a real direct striker, like mm. your Andy Carrolls, your Chris Woods, Costa. those type of guys. Yeah. Um, I, I always struggled a little bit more against them, but I mean, as a partnership, they were just absolute Rolls Royces of centre half. They really were. They've, well, they played together in Ajax. Uh, they played together for Belgium. They played together for Spurs. They've played by a long way more games together than they have apart across all the games in their lives, and that must be an amazing thing. Ne- ne- neither of them have looked as good without the other one either. Yeah, you yeah. Know what yeah. I mean? Like the periods where Batongan was injured, and I think at the time of Vimmer came in. So he didn't quite look the same. And then, you know, when alderweireld has been out and Jan's been, it's like they've just not been, they're not the same without each other. Yeah. Um, it's like those people that have like been together their whole lives, isn't it? It's like they've just become one one person. It's it. like, I feel like That's they're it. the same with both of them. Yeah. But yeah, it has to be those two centre-halves. Now, I've gone for about three because I don't think we've been blessed by full-backs at all outside of Rose and Dyer, at Rose and uh, Walker, really. Um, so I've just gone Benny because... He he was great for us. Like he Champions League year, he was just he was he was dedicated to his job. I wouldn't say he's dedicated to Spurs or to football, but he was definitely dedicated to his job. And he had character, and he he wasn't that bad. I didn't think, but this was quite hard one. I thought. Yeah, he he was a player for me. I saw Cotto that, I, especially under Redknapp, 
you really sort of saw him go up a couple of levels. He mm. went from being like a real liability in the team to actually quite a consistent left back. Um, so uh, he was never my favourite player. Absolutely, I was just never quite. I always felt like he had a crazy moment in him, which he did. Um, the other one for me, the, the left back, um, Christian Zieger. Is this in your team now? Uh, Christian Zieger, yeah. Um, yeah. I I always liked him. Um, technically, he had like a wand of a left foot. Like he was a real, real good player. Um, obviously played at Liverpool, played in Germany. Like you know, he was a it was your, your classic sort of like German player that's just yeah, sort yeah. of, do you know what I mean? A bit robotic and was just like, this is what I can do. Very consistent. Um, any player that scores a free kick against Arsenal from 30 yards is probably always worth having in your team. Um, yeah. If you don't know that goal, like go on YouTube and have a look at it. It yeah, is yeah. so far out. It's ridiculous. Um, so for me, yeah, it was, I've always sort of had him slightly ahead of um, Asui Koto just because, I think all round game just slightly better. The other yeah. one, and we have to bring him up. We can't talk about um, left backs because Van might be listening. We can't not mention Eric Edmund just for him. Um, obviously, his favourite player of all time. Um, and what a goal at Liverpool. Um, so yeah, so I'd go Ziga at left back. That would have been my only difference there. Um, my team's got back four, so yeah. right back for me is quite a difficult one because there's not there's not been that many. Um, but Corluca. He yeah he he might come up later. He was in, in mind. He was a good like he, again not the most amazing player but consistent. You knew what you were getting. I think he, he ended up becoming a centre half, hasn't he? As his sort of career's developed because when you talk about players that have no pace, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Corlucas on a whole other level. Like the guy couldn't move, um, but tactically very good. Like technically. Do you know what I mean? Like his first touch, his delivery, like he was very, very good. Um, very good. He, he's one of those players where I imagine you put, he, he, you're a manager, you put his name up on the board, and you don't need to speak to him because you know ex- he knows exactly yeah. the job he's got to do, and he'll do that perfectly. I underrated for us. I think I thought again that Champions League run, it was brilliant for us. I, I thought it was really good. Almost got killed, didn't he, by Gattuso? Yeah. Like Gattuso almost took his leg off. And that, I mean, that was what what ruined it for AC Milan because they they lost it emotionally after that like mm. Tuso lost it and we beat him 1-0 and then oh, he might even still be playing or he's just retired I think he is isn't he let, let me check but he was in the for I think it was Locomotive Moscow he was out in Russia and he was mm. playing um, I think he's one of them players where he's, he's probably quite lucky that he's not sort of coming through now because whereas like fullbacks and centre-halves what's expected of you now is completely different what it was sort of you know 10 years ago um and his lack of pace i think would be a real problem especially if you wanted to play fullback um so call if he gets him for me retired at the end of last season good looking man as well but great career you know and he must have racked up the caps for croatia as well like he must have a lot 103 so yeah. moscow by leverkusen spurs by leverkusen spurs man city zagreb like great yeah good great team. career Great career. Um, let's well, move us into your, Talk to me about your midfield. Well, I've got. So I've the way we always this always happens in our teams. You always have good balance. I never have balance. Yeah. I'm always. I'm usually quite attack heavy. Uh, I'm quite. I'm, I've got a midfield diamond. Please, please don't you tell know, me Sandro is in this team. Please. Sandro's is is my anchor. Oh. And then in front of him, I've got Modric and Dembele. Yeah, fair. And then Ericsson in front of them. So. You know, those three you can't argue about. And it... Oh, yeah. Uh, Sandro, athletic, scored a great goal against Man United, ran around kicking people and getting the ball for us. His career changed after that injury against QPR away. I think we drew 0-0 in the coldest game I've ever been to. Like, that's what ruined it for him. But he was great apart from that. Like, there's games... I think he played... There's a few games I just remember him playing really well. I think the... Did he play in the... We scored in Fergie time... 1-1 yeah. against United. He was really good in that game. And it, it's, there's just a few games where you go, actually, you did really, really well then. And I have pleasant memories of him. I think he's one of these players, Sanjo, that Spurs fans look back and you just remember the three or four brilliant moments and you don't remember the 300, 400 horrendous bits of play that he did. Um, I'd have Wilson Palacios over Sanjo every single day of the really? week. Every single day of the week. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so your diamond was 
say that again. It was Sandro, Montreux, Dembele, Dembele Ericsson. So Dembele, we all know about Dembele. Didn't leave us that long ago. Like, could not get the ball off that man. Didn't have enough end product for me, but you could not get the ball off him hard as nails. Modric, the Rolls Royce, the best player I've ever seen play for Spurs. And that, I mean, maybe it's something Kane now, but he he was unbelievable. Like, it, 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 you sort of speak in hushed tones, uh, the, the ultra of Modric. I think he was just, he saw the game before anyone else saw it. I mean, and I, I, there's a bit of me that worries I'm seeing Real Madrid's Modric yeah. play the Spurs because he wasn't quite... And he did try to leave to go to Chelsea. He was on Abramovich's boat and he really did and he really had to win us back. But the Champions League year again, he was brilliant for us. And he, he was just... Well, we had that team actually, that team of personalities where you had Sandro, Modric, Lennon, Bale, Rafa, mm-hmm. Defoe, quite a team like Dawson. Bale, like You could just name them. Amazing team. Yeah. And then Ericsson. You know I mean... We have suffered since Ericsson's left. We suffered the year he'd stopped playing for us and then ever since, hope he gets better and plays for Ajax or whatever. But you just don't get, like, everyone always talks about, oh, we need an Ericsson replacement. There aren't many of that type of player about. Do you know They're what I mean? Man like, City. Yeah, Man City. If, if I was to say to you, right, okay, you can have an unlimited budget and let's assume that the player is 100% going to come and sign for us. Who's the creative player you want? There's just not that many out there anymore. Like, that's what's mad. And that... That position, that number 10, for me, it doesn't really exist in football anymore. Like, I think it's a lot more now you sort of, you've got to be a player that you can play in a front three and you can play like off the side. Because a lot of sides now with the 4 3 3, your three central midfielders are absolute workhorses. And it's sort of like before you'd have two and then you'd have your luxury player and all that. It doesn't really exist that much in football anymore. You need sort of. Yeah, you need to be a player that can adapt and can either go in the middle of the park and really put a shift in or be a player that, you know, basically is like a, a wide man that's not really a wide man and, and, and yeah, tucks yeah. in and links it that way. But I think it's because that it takes character, I think, for that to be that position. You have to be able to see where things aren't happening or to be able to see the gaps in things. It's not a, it's not a position where you understand it by the stats of the outcome, not the input. Whereas if you go Hoiberg, you'd say, you've got to be running this much. You've got to be going and making this much tackle or covering this much area. Whereas you can't do that with a number 10. Number 10 is all about creation. And actually kids these days, they're so drilled and focused on single ways of doing things. Actually, that character isn't about as much anymore, but they are all at Man City. So, and know. what it is as well, for that, for that more like, attacking midfielder now it's also from a defensive point of view how many mm. like ball recoveries you're making in a game and again you think yeah, of yeah, City yeah. Bernardo Silva De Bruyne you know they're the type of players that play Foden these kind of guys that play in that area they win the ball back seven eight times in a game and you just you would never ever associate a number 10 or your luxury player you'd never get that from Van der Vaart would you do you know what oh, I mean it's just sort of like you'd never get All it right. They've got five of them, like Grealish, Mares, De Bruyne, Foden, Sterling. Sterling. Like, it's crazy how many. Like they just, they've just gone full FIFA and just bought those players. But anyway, they're, they're my four. All, all of those top sides again. You, you look at Liverpool as well. They're front three. Do you know what I mean? Salah, Firmino, Mane. The amount of times they win the ball back back in games is yeah, astonishing. Yeah, yeah. Like Bayern Munich. Do you know what I mean the, the the game now is all about high intensity, high press? That that's what it is, and it's sort of like if you can't do that, you just you you can't play anymore. Um, but Ericsson for me, of course, is in my team. Like the midfield's been really really difficult for me actually doing this because I have to leave somebody out somewhere, and I was like, I can't not have Ericsson because yeah. you just just look at the stats. Don't even look at anything. Just look at the numbers that he'd get for you. It's incredible. I always felt his best position, and it might be an unpopular opinion, was always when he played off the left. Yes, I was going to say that. When it was him, Kane and... No, him, Son and Delhi roaming free. We were unstoppable. I just liked Ericsson off the left because he was a smart player. And it's like sometimes if he was playing in the middle, games could be so ferocious and direct. And it's like there'd be games where it's just sort of like we can't get him on the ball. Whereas actually with him on the left, he was smart enough to know I need to be a winger for 10 minutes and like literally be what. And then other times it's like, actually, I'm going to have a bit more of a free roll. I'm going to roll inside yeah, and do yeah. it. And it's just, you, you, it, I always felt it freed him up a little bit more to be smarter when he played off off the side. So it'd be on it'd be on the left for me. In my, I've yeah. planned four in the middle. It's Modric and Dembele in the middle of the park. It can't be any, it can't be anybody else than that. Right hand side, I've gone with um, David Ginola. 
Now, this was it got really tough because there's so many attacking players um, in that, that you can pick from in this team. Ginola maybe is not the best player, um, and there's probably there's an argument that the guy I can't believe the guy I've left out. I've left him out of this team. Like I can't believe it because he's one of my favourite Spurs players of all time. But just for doing this team, Ginola will always have a, a spot for me, which is he was the first player I remember watching in a Spurs show and thinking, oh my God, how are you doing this? He was yeah. such an entertaining player. If he was playing now, he'd probably be like a Lucas Moura. If I'm totally honest, he wouldn't be a superstar of the team. And it's like, part of it is that we were so poor back then. He was a good player, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, but he was just exciting. And, you know, you'd see him get the ball, like the way he'd run past people, through people, both feet, you know. He was just—he was a really, really talented player. The look of him, do you know what I mean? The long hair, like it was just the whole thing was just magnificent. Yeah, yeah. So, Ginola on the right, Eriksson on the left, and then Modric and Dembélé in the middle for me. Go on, give us your strikers then. So my front two, um, this is where it's so difficult. But basically, I—I I didn't narrow it down to three, which is Sun. No. Yeah. Van der Vaart, Rafa. Yeah. Berbatov. Yeah. They're, and it's like, I've only got two spots. And I was like, do I chuck out, you know, a defender to just get someone in? But I was like, I have to have balance in my team, otherwise I can't sleep at night. Um, so I've I've left out Van der Vaart from this team. Which I was never like, thought you would do that. I never because, thought you would do that. Purely because, like, the fault of Berbatov and Son as sort of a front two is just, that is, you know, that would be unbelievable. And it's like, we know how incredible Son is. Um, he's just he's such a wonderful footballer. Berbatov for me is one of the most underrated strikers that has been in the Premier League. I'm not just talking for Spurs. I'm just talking in general. He he came to Spurs. He settled instantly. He scored bundles for us. He went to United. And his first year at United, he got like 30 league goals or whatever it was. He got the golden boot, and he was like he just went straight into the United team. Bear in mind they had Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez. Like, this wasn't, like, at a point where United were a little bit weaker. Like, he went in in the prime Ferguson era. Um, and that first season he had for them, he was unbelievable. And people forget, you remember when um, United lost the Champions League final to Barca at Wembley? And yeah, yeah. in what was incredible performance from United played very well that day. But Barcelona yeah, yeah. were incredible. Berbatov didn't make a squad for United that game. Mad, isn't it? So that's my front two. So, yeah, um, Sun and Berbatov up top. So it's a bit pretty much an old school four four two. Yeah, I mean I had those three. So we don't need to talk about those. They were my front three. So Berber, Rafa, Sun. Uh the assist for Ronaldo against West Ham from, from Berbatov. If you haven't seen I you you I've never heard a crowd like gasp in the way that the crowd do when they see that. So yeah, we we've done it. Now do you want to hear my not that bad, not actually as bad as you think, but some yeah, people say on, they are eleven. So I've gone three four two, three four three the whole way just so I can fit in three attackers and four mid. Your uh, Conte style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Gazaniga, I don't think I thought he was really good for us. I don't know why we let him go. There must have been something weird going on, or I, I don't know. But I thought he was really good. If you're ju- if you're judging him on how did he play in the games he when had, he was called. which were limited. That's he my criteria. Do, he did do well. He had one bad game against Chelsea, didn't he? Where he just had to come and karate kick. Was it Willian in the face, and he got sent off. Do you remember that? Um, we did it to Alonso, and Alonso, Alonso got it. Alonso got booked <laughs> for, for that one. Because yeah. I watched it the other day. Uh, now, um, my my back three here are the slowest three defenders we've ever had. You've already got one, so Chaluka. Yeah. Now who are the other two? I can't. You can't have put Ryan Nelson in there. I don't think he was that bad. <laughs> he and was then, a lump. Who's your other one? Gallas. Yeah. I don't think they were that bad in terms of what they were called to do. Gallas was there, calm us down a little bit. He was never left on his own. He was always partners with someone a bit better than him. He knew what he was doing. Nelson, we got him from Fulham on a free, didn't we, or something? Like, or was QPR, it January? QPR, sorry, you're right, QPR. And he just did a job for us. Like You don't expect centre-backs to come from New Zealand, but he just came in, was a lumpy centre-back. He was outstanding know? in the nil-nil draw away to Stevenage in the Stevenage. FA Cup. <laughs> But to be fair, that kind of game, that's probably where you want to Ryan Nelson. Do you know what I mean? It's like... That's what I'm saying. It was just then my three, my four in the middle. I've got there's no there's no team no, thing it's here. Just... It's just my four midfielders. Yeah. 
I've got Cranchar, who was very good yeah. when he was called called for when we had all our creations. Sakura, Kapu, and the last one, which you might disagree with me of, and he almost made it into my actually pretty shit mm. team, was uh, Bentaleb because he wasn't that bad. He he right. rose up like this and then got really arrogant. Like cause he was one of those ones that had an entourage, but I mean he he did the assist for Kane's header in his first North London derby, so. I actually, I thought Bentelab was going to go on and be a decent, but to be fair, he's playing, it. Is, he, is it, I don't know where he's at now, but it, we, we got about 15 million quid for him, didn't we? He went to Schalke and then he That's come it. back, to, he was on loan, was it last year at Newcastle? Newcastle, yeah. I don't know if he's then back at Schalke now. But he's a free agent, he's 26, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. But yeah. that, that's another example though of like the brilliant academy we've got at Spurs, is that a player like that, you produce, you know, from the age of 16 up, he gets himself into the first team. We sold him for about 15 million. It was remarkable. Yeah. I was at his, his Premier League debut, which was away at Southampton. And he came yeah. on. He came on after about 15 minutes because I think it was, it might have been Lamella. It might have been, no, it was Dembele. Dembele went off injured after 15 yeah. minutes. Tim Sherwood was in interim charge and we played four as a That's throwback. It. Throwback 4-4-2. Dembele come off injured. We The midfield, how lightweight is this midfield? It was Lamella, Bentelab, Ericsson and Sigurdsson God. was your midfield four. And Bentelab come on, just sort of sat in front of the back four. He was quality. We, we won the game 3-2. He was quality. And he did have some right. moments where you thought, actually, this guy could go on and be an all-up player. But for whatever reason, I think when Sher- it was when Sherwood left, wasn't it, that he then sort of... He was a Sherwood yeah. favourite, wasn't he? Because he had him in the youth team with him. That's um, it. And then when he when Tactics Tim left, obviously, then it was a little bit different. Was that when AVB came in after that? He's a, yeah, he's only 26. Yeah. Like, it, it feels yeah. a bit like he, he could do a team a, a job for someone. He's um he's six foot two. Like, he's, yeah. my, he's our side. I, I don't get that. But you um, know, certain players just, they don't, they don't look their height. That's exactly what I mean. Was, I like, thought he, he was just, short. He does not look that at all. So Cranchard, brilliant. Sakura, like useful player, like not not the best, not the worst, just did a job for us. You fancy Palacios in there? I, I've always had either Sakura or Palacios. Yeah. I've always thought Sakura was an improvement on Palacios, but I love emotionally. I love the Palacios yeah. for just who he was and what he did. Uh, and then my front three. Im- imagine these three on a night out: Lamella, Chadley, and Adebayor. Like, <laughs> just imagine, just just. It would either go amazingly well and you'd have the night of your life or like you'd end up with a hand and you'd be running from the police and you know it would just it would go gta master chadley on a night out is a hundred percent the bloke that's silent he just <laughs> he just stands there with his vodka do you know what i mean he doesn't he doesn't say anything he's just there and then a, a song comes on that he likes and he just sort of like slowly nods his head to it it's like he's a hundred percent one of them add by your on his day, unbelievable. Will we say it? We will unbelievable. Say it. it just didn't no, happen enough, did it? Van der Vaart didn't get in that side then. He was in my main team. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Now, my bad team. Now, this is the one everyone to... wants to know anyway. This is the yeah. Goalkeepers are really difficult because we haven't had many... Because goalkeepers last a long time in Spurs because you go... Yeah. Kudicini, it's not going to be Kudicini because he was, and my criteria for this was what did they do for Spurs versus their expectations and with my back four goalkeeper included, it yeah. was how reliable or how consistent are they, yeah. if they're not then I've got rhythm, so for me it's Gomez because you go, you do not know what's going to happen yeah. and it literally was 50-50, but we talk about the um, the penalty save against uh, Charlie Adam Charlie Adam for Black was it yeah and you he, and he saved an incredible save against Charlie Adam pushed it around the post uh, corner came in and he went and took out somebody again and then we we conceded I was above it I, I just that 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 was it for me he made and, a save from um Robin Van Persie in a derby it was a free kick and it's one of the yeah, best yeah. saves I've ever seen it's in the the best Spurs compilation is the Dark Days Are Over and the one with that yeah. music. I can give you a link for that. It's in that save. It's unbelievable, yeah. that save. But then, then, back- but then for every save that, there's the one he chucked in at Fulham 
There's the, the goal at Old Trafford that Nani scored when we were in open play and he puts the ball down to take a free kick and Nani just kicks it in. And it was just sort of like, he was he was a Saturday league goalkeeper. And when we signed him, everyone was buzzing. And we only signed him because he saved penalties against us in a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> now oh, we're back three. It, they're all just disappointments. My back three, Basson, Kirikes and Hutton. Now Hutton, again... Could be good, but was always He's a bit. Oh, yeah. But I think the Basson one, I think, is harsh. That is embarrassing. Well, Basson was just used. He just didn't, wasn't good enough. Do you not think? You know? I, thought he did all, I thought he did all right for us. He did, he did okay. It just it wasn't good. I mean, oh, I'm going to But then, actually, it's difficult with Basson because when he, his first season, he was playing alongside Ledley for most of it. So it's like. He Ledley's, like, right hand man, wasn't he? Oh, God, I can't, I can't think of Kira, that. Fair enough. I hated him. He yeah. is a heart attack waiting to happen. For, he's not a defender. Honestly, he could play on the wing. Like, he had some of the quickest feet you're ever going to see. I don't remember what game it was. I think it was an away European game. And he I did a quick turn on the halfway line. And you just think, what are you doing? As last man as well. Yeah. That was the Yeah, yeah. And um, that, the best thing about Kirikov is when we signed him and there was the picture of him at the airport with the T-shirt that said, what the hell on it? And it was like... Perfectly summed up his time. Well, there was the international break where we saw him. He, he he was at home in Russia. Romania. Romania. He was in. Oh, he was Romanian. He might have been in Russia, and he he couldn't stand up. He was so drunk in the snow in a t-shirt. Absolutely unbelievable. I'm embarrassed by that. Fazio. Uh, Fazio. But then he wasn't. He would be in my not that bad team. The reason I'll say Fazio is because when we signed him, the expectation was quite high. It was high. And you, you, you'd see him and you'd think, he's tailor-made for the Premier League. He couldn't head it. He's about that was weird, five. wasn't it? He couldn't head it. Like, mm-hmm. he, was, he was... It's just a fact. I remember being at a game, a, another game against Arsenal, actually, where they beat us 2-1 in the League Cup and Flamini scored a brace for them. And I remember that. Their tactics were basically make sure Fazio's got the ball. And it was so obvious. They pressed everyone. As soon as Fazio got it, they just let him have it. Yeah, um, yeah. So he was, a, bad he was a pretty bad one, Fazio, yeah. Right then. Um, I was just looking through my list of... of cause, uh, it's, I haven't got one. This, uh, this mid- might be controversial, just as a suggestion. Yeah, go on. But if you're taking into account not just how they perform on the but if you're taking into account everything, Davinson Sanchez... I, I absolutely would put 35, him 30, 35 million. Like, if you're thinking price tag, his Expectation. first season, I thought, here we go, this guy looks quality. Not great. I almost put Foyth in there as well because he just never looked up for the time. I mean, I don't know why we bought like a three stone centre back for the Premier League. I know he, he was Pochettino's mate, basically, but <laughs> never liked him. Now, my four, and my four in midfield is actually. It, it's a bit of a change of heart for me. So you, you'll like this. So <laughs> I've got Paulinho. Never did it for us. Like, bit of a disappointment. Bit of a Jermaine J- Jenison. Like, what are you? Like, where do you, like, are you just someone who's just in the middle? Just, what do you do? And then he went to Barcelona. That That's the weird bit. I think he might not be in the team if he didn't go to Barcelona and play so well. You know, where we where we can see that. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> this is a bit harsh, but Yago Falque who was with us for what seemed ages yeah. and just never did it. He just, he yeah. just, we, I, I was probably excited by him and I just thought potential is going to happen. It just never did. These are all the players who broke my heart by coming in. Me, I, me like it, a young, talented little player and then, then never done I've it. I've got two names in my head and I reckon they're going to be in your side. Holtby. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 Because actually, what did he do? But let's move on because I'm, I'm embarrassing myself now. And then I've got Stambouli in there because oh. I thought, God, he was bad, wasn't it? He? he had lead in his boots. Yeah, I just, just disappointing, you know, just. He was horrendous. There was a waste might, of money. You might have put this other player, he might be in your front three. Giovanni Dos Santos? My next player is Giovanni Dos Santos. <laughs> I was so excited when we got him. I was thinking, we've nicked a, a youngster off Barcelona who's going to be the next big thing. Shocking, absolutely dreadful player. And like people go, oh, he does it for the national team, but you know, there's a lot of players who do it for the Welsh national team, and that's because in the national teams there are a few who are elite, and then yeah. there's a lot of junk national teams. 
Um, so yeah, Dos Santos, Soldado, bless him. I'm, I mean, really, it should be Jensen, really, uh, Jensen. But Soldado, just because of the the expectations were much higher for him, much, much, much higher. And he start, he scored on his debut. He got a penalty at Palace, Soldado. And you're thinking he's got that early goal that, you know, he, whenever you sign a strike, you're like, just let him score in their first two games and then they'll be away. And he got the goal and he, I remember him playing quite well, but it was actually like Palace was shocking. We just went one nil up and kept the ball and he just couldn't, he just weren't okay. cut out for it, was he? It just wasn't, it wasn't oh. for him. You could, you could feel like if he, if he had a one-on-one with a keeper every game, he'd score, he'd score. But it just, it, that wasn't what was given to him. And the other one is Pinar. Well, I've got quite a lot of hate for Oh, yeah. Great shout. Because Pinar came over and just looked moody the whole time. Like, he was the main man at Everton at that point. Like, he really was really, really good he for Everton. Yeah, that it was between us and Chelsea to get yeah. him. And we offered him more money. And we were like, this guy will break the bank for Stephen Pinar. Um, he, he never scored, did he? He scored in a Europa League game where I think maybe... Well, it was like five or six nil, and everyone got the score. She like it was, one of them, it was weird because Everton he was great, and you know like, and there's nothing more than like gut feeling on this. But you know when you just like when when players sign for certain clubs and they're stood there holding the shirt, you know when you just like it doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah. And Pino was one of them. It's like you in the Spurs shirt. It just it doesn't seem to be a match at all. This so you think no. was, it was like when we signed Bentley. It just didn't look right, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure about this. And even like Lukaku at Man United, so I mean, it just didn't. It, it, certain yeah, players yeah. just suit certain clubs, don't they? And Pinar and Spurs was match made in hell. Yeah, so there it is Gomez, Basong, Kiriquez, and another Polinio, Falke, Holtby, Stambouli, Dos Santos, Soldado, Pinar. I, I also put two who fell through the cracks, who were actually really good, uh, Lorente and Kabul, like worthy of a shout. That's harsh on Lorente. No, 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 not for that team, sorry, who fell through the cracks of being actually really good, but maybe not like the creme de la creme. Yeah. And they're better than the, actually better than you think. Lorente did a proper good job for us. And Kabul actually was really good for us. Frustrating, but pretty good for us. Um, a couple of uh, attacking players to just chuck their names out there. Gregor's Raziak. Mm. Don't come back. Like, <laughs> don't come back. <laughs> um, he was so bad. It was astonishing he was being paid to play football. Um, I was at his debut. I can't remember who it was against. He scored an unbelievable header after about 10 minutes and everyone thought, what a player. It got disallowed and that was his yeah. first career. Like, he was so poor. Um, Helder Postiga was another another striker. We signed him off the back of a good international tournament that he had with Portugal and you're thinking, this is the striker that can help take us to the next level. Um, and he was just atrocious. Um, yeah, I have to, you have to have Janssen in the mix as well because that was just a car crash of the signing. Um, and again, there's certain when we signed Janssen, I didn't. He, he never struck me as a like, I didn't think he's going to get us 20, 25 goals. But I looked at him, like I looked at his physique and thought, you're going to be decent in the Prem. Like you yeah, look yeah. like you've got a bit about you. you look like you're going to be a bit aggressive and all that. He was so timid, and you just this looked like it. he had a bit of size on him, didn't he? And you'd think like. Oh, but play the ball into his feet. Like that Bobby Zamora kind of striker, isn't it? That like he might not be clinical, but he'll be a handful. He yeah. was just shocking. Well, this is it. When I say like Rondon would be good for us, I don't mean he'd be starting, he'd be Robbie Keane, he'd be Botov. He'd do better than all of the other strikers that we've it's mentioned. It's like Benteke, isn't it? It's that kind of striker. It's sort of like you're not going to get much return, but it's you know all what you're going to get. It's all yeah, yeah. Actually, I was actually talking about um, strikers in that mould. One of the best around in the Premier League that would just no centre back in the Premier League could say that they enjoy playing against him, Chris Wood. And he's not a good player. Don't and I want mm. I would hate Spurs to go and sign him. But he's that kind of like do you know what I mean? You turn up and you think, Oh god, I've got ninety minutes of him running at me, leaving elbows in, just being yeah, super yeah. aggressive and physical. Like the centre backs just must be like, Oh, for God's sake, not today. Man this is what Man United did. So that they took this level of thinking we go, actually good basic player but and they made Harry Maguire their star centre-back because that's what Maguire is Maguire is a decent centre-back but he's nowhere near the Van Dyke, which is what they thought they were buying he should have he should be partnered to someone brilliant and that's the mistake yeah uh, like, he's, I, like he's your understudy centre-half isn't he like you when you have, exactly you have one that runs it and then you, he's the Dawson to the he's king. Dawson that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say yeah, yeah. He, he's with you for 20 years 
he he's his dad is in the in the ground every day and you love him. Uh two things that are different from this. So one uh someone's done research um based on sounds fine, official sounds yeah, yeah. But according I'm I'm just gonna read it out to you. So according to research, it is claimed that Tottenham have paid out eighty five point nine million pounds to managers who were eventually sacked by Levy. This is an average of twenty one million pounds per sack manager, which is half a million over half a million pounds per match and under those managers it's over a million pounds per victory one under each manager which is absolutely crazy and if you think about it since 2011 which is only 10 years we've sacked harry redknapp avd pochettino Mourinho, and nuno and that is more than sacked managers of chelsea and man united not great is it it's not That's great. I'll tell you what, I'm so pleased we moved as quickly as we did with Nuno oh, because yeah. Conte would be going to Man U now. Yeah, and yeah. Actually, well, now Poch is going to go, right? How spursy would it be if Conte resigned and went United? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, do you think Poch will go there? I'm not sure. I'm not. There's always all these reports that he's hating PSG and all that, and it's like he's managing the best players. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's going to win everything this year. He's got a chance of winning the Champions League. Like, I think if I was a United fan, a part of me would be a little bit like, because whenever he does interviews, he still talks about how much he loves Spurs. And like, sometimes I've listened to him and I'm, I almost think like, don't say that. You're ruling yourself out of other Premier League jobs. Yeah. Um, And again, I just, I don't think, I can't see him at another Premier League team. Do you know what I mean? I just can't, in my head, I can't picture it. Whereas, like, you think a lot of a lot of other managers, you think, yeah, actually, I could see them there, but I just can't see him anywhere other than Spurs in the Premier League. Maybe Man City, but no, I, I, I can't think, see it. I think he'll be there starting next season. I don't think he'll come now. I think you'll see out this year. I really, I, I do. And you know, even Sky Sports today have been told that he's interested. And I saw a report from a journalist saying that there were provisions made last year in Delhi's something to do with Delhi's entourage or his contract that. There's an agreement that if Poch went to Man United, he could go to Man United, which is nuts wow. as well. But anyway, the other one which um, I found really interesting. So it's Stamford Bridge, West End Upper, which is uh, uh, obviously Chelsea's ground. Chelsea have told their fans that season tickets are going from £1,250, which is a lot of money. So £1,250 for a season ticket to £3,900. Like I've never seen a more blatant, like we're pricing out yeah. Our loyal fans for the sake of corporate and but isn't a lot of that? I think that so. Firstly, yeah, like that's extortioner, like it's shocking. Yeah. I do think that part of that. So I've got a couple of mates that are Chelsea fans, and they were sort of saying that that's like a really select few season tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not as if you know, like a whole stand's being made. That, but oh, having right. said that, you're still tripling your prices for something, which in the grand scheme of things, clubs don't make much money from season tickets. Like, if you look at their overall yearly, you know, turnover, where do they make the money? They don't make money off season tickets. Bayern Munich say it, don't they? It's like less than 1% of what they make from season tickets. We'd much rather have, you know, working class, diehard fans here than elite corporate seats where actually you're not going to get the proper supporters. Um, And I love that. I love it in Germany, season tickets, like 300 quid, isn't it? It's like, it's amazing. Well, there's a lot of clubs, it's cheaper to fly out to Germany to go to watch games yeah. so including flights and seasons if it was cheaper than going here but yeah and you watch decent football yeah interesting times yeah. in the football world yeah but it'd be interesting to see what happens at United as well now though um, and who does end up there because even if they do um, get Pochettino at the end of the season like you you still got like, we're only like 12, 13 games into the season do you know what I mean like, I think it's mad that they're not they obviously don't have a plan, do they? And that's what the most staggering thing is. The biggest football club in the world doesn't have a plan. And you just think, it's not as if that United's form was all of a sudden turned. Solskjaer's been on the brink of getting sacked from day one. Do you know what I mean? It's felt like he's always been five, six games away from, from being gone. Um, so like, I can't believe that they would get rid of Solskjaer. And, and like Michael Carrick's in interim charge. I know he's like the interim, interim manager, isn't he? until they get the proper interim one. But like Michael Carrick's in charge of Man United. Like, he's only been coaching about two or three years. Yeah, it's not like Winks taking over for two games. This is, uh, like, 
Champions League and the, trying to get back into the Champions League. I, I don't get it. Um, I think their biggest problem is Ronaldo because like he. Oh, yeah, I don't, see, I don't get this. I don't. I don't understand this. They shouldn't have got him. It's so uh, you know he's holding them back. All that. I think that's. I think if you have an opportunity to sign one of the top five players in the world, you should always do that. And it's like Ronaldo would still now improve every single team in the world if he went into it he'd make them better and it's like you just got to find a way of playing and I think it's not as if United have been doing great they've got Ronaldo in and it's like oh it's changed Ronaldo's still getting goals and assists by the way like he's doing what he was brought in to do it's more from a defensive point of view for them but I don't, I don't, I don't understand that Ronaldo's a problem like I don't get that at all it's, it's purely like Oli who Oli was voted Cardiff City's worst ever manager in their history and Cardiff have been poor in the history yeah. right they've had McMahon um, coffee so. yeah they, Cardiff fans really hated McMahon yeah. coffee um, Hugo before he was actually doing a half decent job when he was making it all about young talent you know like mm. Greenwood and Redford and all of that and then Ronaldo comes in who doesn't do any defensive work who just who just moans undermines the manager gets goals because he goal hangs and he, he it's all about him everything has to funnel through him and that's the problem is he becomes a luxury. So Nozo, it's a bit like when Coutinho left Liverpool, you got Coutinho was Liverpool's best player. Like he was just curling balls into the top, into top bins the whole time. As soon as he left, they became better. And if we got a decent striker to replace Kane, we would probably be better than we are right now. And it's, it's a bit of that. I get your point about he will just get you goals and assists, but sometimes there's a bit more than that. It was actually, if you replace him with a player who does more for the team, will then the whole team get more goals and assists without Ronaldo than with it? Probably. The, the most baffling thing that I think United did in the summer, and I still don't understand it, is why did they spend 80 million quid on Sancho? When they've got, they've got Mason Greenwood there, who honestly, I think, is a very, very similar type of player, similar ability. You'd probably say Sancho's ahead of him a little mm. bit because of what he's been doing at Dortmund. But instead of spending that money, why did they not say West Ham is 60 million for Declan Rice and go and improve an area of the pitch that's been a problem for them for two seasons? And it's like you can have, you know, Ronaldo and whatever people, you know, do and don't think about his sign and all of that. If your centre midfield is Fred and McTominay, you're going to struggle to finish in the top six. You could have nine superstars in all the other positions. You're going to struggle. I think McTominay is an all, right, an all right player. He's not amazing. He's all right. But Fred is just something else. Like I can't believe that he's there. And you just think, why go and... United's attacking players has never been a problem for them. Um, it's always been defensive. And you think, like, you've got Declan Rice, like, young, British, up and coming. Like, he's the kind of player that, realistically, he could play for you for 10 years at the top level. Like yeah. he's a lead. He's, why do they not go and try and get him? Why have you gone and bought? It'd be like us going and signing another brilliant left winger, and you think we've already got son. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray, you, you know, I mean, you're giving yourself strength in depth, but like, like I'd much rather us go and buy centre half. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. For half the price, and like just like make a pragmatic signing. So it's I'd, honestly like I look at some of these football clubs, and it amazes me how they're run. Uh, honestly, some of it is like football manager. You just think, oh, he's quite good. Yeah, go on him, we'll have him. Without any kind of thinking about how we're going to play or anything like that, bonkers. But, yeah. you know, it's good to see United struggling. I was a little bit disappointed that they have sacked him because when you know that United are sort of not really going to do that much with him. And like now, they could get even worse or they could go and get Pochettino, Ten Hag's the other one, isn't he, from Ajax that they've been linked with. It's like they could go and get someone that comes in and all of a sudden they're they're looking really good because I don't think that we'll get fourth. But at the minute, you're looking at the fixtures we've got and you think, you know, have you got an outs- a real outside chance? Maybe have, but only because all the other teams are just as poor as we are. I'm beginning to believe, and little by little, beginning to believe. I think we'll start to climb back. We're only 10 points off first. <laughs> 11 with goal difference. We would, but I think we were top this time last season. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How mad does that sound? And I remember we did a pod last year when you you said, I think we could beat anybody. And you were like, and you were so convinced. You were like, we're so good at the back. And then so someone must have listened to that. And then just everything went downhill, didn't it? Oh, well, I was confident. I, it was it was after, again, we beat Man City. I believe your, got... your exact words were, I think we could do the treble. 
I thought we'd do something more than we did. To be fair. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what like three or four good results does. Yeah, I, I believe. I let myself believe, and it hurt me. It's literally classic Spurs fan. Uh, is that uh, brilliant? <laughs> it does feel like we got our Tottenham back a little bit. And forget Conte because he's not Tottenham. He's, he's better than Tottenham. But like yeah. the players we've got, it, it does feel like we've got Spursy Tottenham back again. I, I'm quite enjoying it. Well, well, let's see what this week brings. Hopefully, um, uh, another victory this week and sort of step in the right direction. And until then, remember whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy, and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.